that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Friday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. I'm in my car outside the Browns facility. I was at the Deshaun Watson news conference on Friday. We're getting this Friday slash weekend podcast to you late. Thanks for your patience. Guys, it's the thing I told you I want to talk about the other day. I know I haven't been on the last two podcasts. I'm excited to talk about whether Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to have the greatest receiving season in major college football history this year. Nathan, yes or no? Or should I? Uh, should I ex- this is a, little more, a little more detail. Would that help? I think some context would help. Uh, okay. Context is good. So I sent this out to the tech subscribers, 614, and I'm holding my microphone in my car. I don't know if I should hold it like right next to my mouth. And then it sounds like this or further away from my mouth. So if uh, my tone is odd, it's because I'm in a parking lot. Texter question survey. Uh, I said Jackson Smith and Jigba averaged 123.5 receiving yards a game last season. I said, what will he average? This year, and I gave him groups, and then I said he needs to – if they play a 15-game season, Big Ten title game, semifinal, national championship game, he needs to average 133.3 yards per game to get the 2,000. If they play 14 games, he needs to average 142.9 yards per game to get to 2,000. And then, by the way, the record for the all-time greatest major college receiving yard season is Trevor Inslee at Nevada – in 1999, had 2060. So when I say, Nathan, will he have the greatest receiving season ever? I'm saying, can he have 2061 receiving yards this year? And that would be, right, that's like 135 or 136 per game in, in a 15-game season. And I think a lot of people think Ohio State will get to the national title game. Trevor Inslee did it in 11 games. And I tried to look up his game by game. I can't find it. But college football reference says he played 11 games that year. So it won't be per game. I get it. But if you have the most yards ever, Nathan, that would be a big stinking deal. Is 2,061 yards a ludicrous conversation for us to have in March? Or with C.J. Stroud, Ryan Day, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, is it a reasonable conversation to have? And by the way, that would be 187 yards per game to do it in 11 games. But I think the reason why it is a conversation worth having is because to get to that same number, even in lesser games, you're doing it in the big 10, you're doing it at a different level than a guy at Nevada had to do it. And I think it is worth having the conversation. It's worth having the conversation because statistically, especially what he did over his last eight games last year, there's reason to think that this is the baseline we should think about with Jackson Smith, the Jigba. not 187, by the way, but those other numbers you're talking about 140, 150, that's where we should be talking about him. And um, if he does that, this is the conversation we're going to be having, not just us, but I think across the country. That's how it's going to be spun. Like, did he just pop off the best season a receiver's ever done? The thing that I think that is happening, maybe, Stephen, is, and Michael Crabtree at Texas Tech is another guy who had a, a gigantic year. He had over 1,900 receiving yards uh, in 2007 at Texas Tech in 13 games. He had 134 receptions for 1,962. Again, as Nathan noted, the Nevada guy, no offense to him, but that Crabtree year might be even better. But part of this, Stephen, is I think back in the day, the people who set any of these quarterback or receiver records in college football, they were run and shoot people from the Big 12. And that was, it was almost like a different version of football. The other thing that I think here is interesting, Stephen, is that we're talking about a guy doing it at Ohio State in the Big 10 for a team that's trying to win a national title, for a team that's not just trying to put up crazy stats and doesn't play defense and wins every game 55-49, I think if Jackson Smith and Jigma can approach something like this or enter the conversation, it's more real because it's not run and shoot. It's like real offensive football. It's the evolution of what Urban Meyer hiring Ryan Day has done here. That's where we've reached. It's, But it's not... Like, CJ's not going to throw 65-plus passes a game like they would in the Big 12 at times or even, like, Hawaii back in the day when they had Colt Brennan who was doing that type of stuff. Jackson Smith the Jigba is going to have to put up these stats in an offense where 
yeah, he might be the best weapon, but he's not the only weapon while also playing in a balanced approach where as much as they want to throw the ball, they also want to get this run game started, especially when you've got a new offensive line coach and a five-star running back entering year two. So to be, he's got to be, he's going to have the quality, the quantity, but he's going to be have, have to have just as much quality with every touch that he gets. He's got to maximize it every time he touches the ball, especially since every team is going to sell out on trying to make sure he doesn't get the ball 10 times a game. So as we've talked about before, like Jackson Smith and Jigba sort of had like a whole season in the last five games last year. We know, Nathan, he's not going to have 350 receiving yards uh, probably in a game the way he did in the Rose Bowl. And that kind of throws everything off. But can we take something from his second half of the year? How much of that is stuff that we should take as pretty darn real? And how much of it is kind of some weird stuff in it? You know, just it's weird. It's it's a, more of a one-off than something that we should use uh, to inform future thoughts. So the Rose Bowl game is interesting because both arguments apply. That both of the arguments that I think as to whether or not Jackson Smith and Jigba could do this next year. Because on the one hand, it fits into you know, like I said, he averaged 157.1 yards per game over his final eight games. You do that for 15 games, you're surpassing even what we're talking about here, right? That would be. 2,355 yards or over 14 games, it would be 2,200 yards. So if he just averages what he did over the last eight games last year, now you're going to say, well, yeah, but the Rose Bowl throws that off. So you can't, you've got to kind of take that into account. You're right. Not, you're going to have 347 yards a game, except that's the other thing you would argue maybe is that, well, he's going to be the focus of every defense that they play now. He's going to be the number one guy that gets taken away. Not like last year where teams had to worry about Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, proven on the cusp of being first round NFL receivers and Smith and Jigba got to kind of run free underneath that. Right. Except in the Rose bowl, the Rose bowl is the argument against that because he was the primary guy that that Utah should have been trying to take away in that game. And he still goes for 347 yards. So I, I think what you're saying is correct, that you have to make sure that you take that into context. When you're talking about those last eight games, that a game like that is kind of wrecks the average a little bit kind of ruins the curve, however you want to say it. But it happened under the exact circumstances or very similar circumstances to what he's going to play under this year, except that the other guys are going to be even better. Harrison and Fleming and Ekbuka should be even better this fall. I want to know how much stock we actually should put into that Rose Bowl. Because yes, he was great, but there's also the caveat that Utah's other cornerback was also their running back in that game. That was kind of a depleted secondary. And so... Of course, a five-star wide receiver had his way every time. The It was almost like if you see that running back covering Jackson Smith the jig, but get him the ball, and I guarantee you he's going to go score. So it was great, but also Jackson's going to have to do that while being the focus, and it's going to be against you know actual cornerbacks who rep with the ones every single day and not somebody who got pulled over there three weeks before the Rose Bowl. That, that's very fair, except I would say there were probably some number two cornerbacks that Ohio State played over the course of a year that were not that much worse than that Utah guy and nobody was putting up 347 yards all right we'll take a quick break when we come back I want us to make the pro arguments and the con arguments of why he might have 2061 receiving yards and why he won't we'll do it next on Buckeye Talk Doug Nathan Steven I'm in my car my laptop's at 50%. It went down quite a bit. I started at 100, and it's already only at 50. It's a 48. It didn't even go to 49. It went from 50 right to 48. You guys might have to finish this pod on your own. Nathan, let's start with the, po- uh, the, the pods, the cons. Why won't he do it? Give us one reason why Jackson Smith and Jigba will not have 2,061 receiving yards in 2022. Because Ohio State will be way too good. The 1999 Nevada team where the guy put up uh, 260 yards went three and eight. You're going to be in a lot of situations in games like that where you're throwing with your starting lineup for your number ones for 60 minutes, right? And there's going to be a bunch of games this year, maybe not a bunch, but certainly a handful, maybe a bunch, where Ohio State builds a big lead in the first half of a game, maybe without a big contribution from Jackson Smith and Jigba. And not because because teams try to take him away, but there's so many other weapons, you know, uh, 
Trevion Henderson runs for a couple touchdowns and a couple other guys catch a touchdown. And maybe CJ Stroud runs for one. And all of a sudden it's 42 to seven at halftime. And Jack Smith, the jig was not playing after halftime. And he just kind of takes his five catches for 60 yards and, and goes home. And if enough of those games happen, and again, because he's probably never going to get 350 receiving yards in a game again, that even though the average will still balance out, it may not be enough to get him all the way to the kind of number we're talking about. So that's basically just the they're going to have too many big leads at halftime. He's not going to play in enough second halves against the bad competition. It's that they're, yeah, they're too good for him to be on the field enough. Is it more that he'll get pulled out in blowouts or that he'll just have to share the load with Travion Henderson and Marvin Harrison Jr.? Like, which one of those do you mean more when you say they'll be too good? I think those are two separate issues. I, I do I, think, I think they're kind of separate yes. too. And I think I think what I'm talking about more is that Ohio State is not going to set up a season to get him a bunch of yards. He should be able to get a bunch of yards, but they're not going to be chasing this record. You know what I'm saying? Like if if it happens organically, it'll happen. But if it's time to take him out of a game, it's time to take him out of a game. And so be it. So it's more the blowout thing of getting taken out. Steven, what do you think about then? Unless we plant a seed, you know, we can be seed planters here at Buckeye Talk. Hey, Ryan. What does the number 2060 mean to you? You know, it would be really cool for Ohio State. I'll tell you. All you got to do, a couple extra series against Rutgers. Just keep it in mind. We're happy to plant the seed. Steven, so if, if, if okay, okay, getting taken out on blowouts. I think that's a really good reason. What about the idea, Steven, of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka and Julian Fleming are just going to be too involved in the passing game that they won't lean on one guy enough. Do you, would you use that, Stephen, as a reason, or do you think Jackson will be far enough above the other guys in number of targets? No, I think it's the other three guys are going to take a step because I feel like we were here last year with this idea, not the historical part, but just the idea of why would they throw to anybody else other than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave? I mean, they're the best two wide receivers in the country. None of us were thinking about Jackson and he ended up being what he was, but it's just, none of us were thinking about that. And so it's, it, and it was a wise place to be at that point. It would be very smart to just think, why would CJ Stroud throw to anybody else other than Jackson Smith, the Jigba? He's already in, in the slot. We've talked about at length, the chemistry that those two have, they were just in LA together, hanging out, watching the Super Bowl, and, you know, just hanging out in LA for like a week and a half together. Why would he throw to anybody else, especially when the other three guys are still unproven, regardless of what we saw from them in the Rose Bowl? Except I would expect that at least one of those guys emerges, and maybe two of those guys, given the way this passing game emerges. Marvin Harrison Jr. gets some touches, and Mecca Buka and Julian Fleming get some touches. I just think Outside of the Notre Dame game, because you're just trying to win that football game, what we might see is something similar to last year where CJ leaned on Chris and Garrett early, but then Jackson started to get involved. And we'll see a similar thing where Jackson, he leans on them to get them through that first game. But then you slowly start to see Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming and Emeka Buka get involved. And that chips at Jackson's ability to go get those 2,060 yards. Okay, so those two big things, he's going to get taken out in blowouts. They have too many other good players that are going to also be involved. Is there anything else, Nathan? Is there anything else that jumps to mind of like, wow, this is wild. Like, is there any argument of he can't do it because like he's not good enough? Like, is there, are, are we, do we think he's not, if they wanted him to do it and they didn't take him out, like, do you think he could do it? Like, is there a con there? How much con there is like, it's just too hard to do and, He's not Jerry Rice. Well, I don't. Is this what the Jerry Rices would do? I I feel like this is the. It's the best version of what we thought he might be coming out of of high school, right? Was that he would be in position to someday do this, just catch a bunch of balls. And he's going to be in an offense and playing a role in that offense that would be perfectly suited for that. I mean, we I, this is what Jackson Smith Jigba has been since he became a national football entity was just a guy who catches a ton of footballs. And so I don't, I think he has the record of skills. I think it is his skill set to take a a shot at a a record like this. I think the other dynamic though, to go back to something Steven was saying, it's not, it's a little bit hard to compare to last year because last year you had two known entities and Smith and Jigba was coming in behind. You're picking your poison. A lot of teams are picking their poison between 
Olave and Wilson, let alone Smith and Jigba coming in behind. Now you've got him as like the one truly known entity. Marvin Harrison Jr. proved a lot in the Rose Bowl, and I think the other guys are going to get respected, but it's not quite the same. So uh, the other thing that I the, the attention will be different. I think last year, Olave or Wilson, teams had to decide who their best defensive back was going to try to take away. That's not going to be the case this this next year. I think every team's best defensive back is probably going to try to take away Jackson Smith the Jigba, except the fact that he's going to be in the slot, and they're going to probably work some interesting matchups there too. If they just wanted to give him the ball every single snap, they could, and he could do it. Let me tell you why he could do it. Well, hold on a second. We're still on the cons. We're still on the cons. I oh, want so to finish the okay. cons. Like, there's no more cons, right? They're going to take him out of blowouts. Mm. They have they have too many other good players. Because the one thing that keeps coming up is his two biggest games were when guys weren't there. His biggest game was without right. Olave and Wilson. His second mm-hmm. biggest game was without Wilson. So what was really holding him back was having the other good players with him that he was sort of third in the pecking order. But now that he's first in the pecking order, which is kind of what you said, Nathan, you know, when he was first in the pecking order before, he went bazonkers. We've seen what that looks like. So if we're done with the cons. Can I throw one more con in maybe? More con. All right. What do we think about this schedule from a defensive standpoint? Too good or too bad? That it might be – it could be a decent defensive schedule – um yeah how many notre dame gonna be in yeah yeah like notre dame wisconsin and so then it's one thing where now i'm now i'm kind of arguing like oh well in those games he's gonna have to play all 60 minutes so it doesn't help him but if you're playing better defensive teams that maybe negates that a little bit Uh, i I don't know i think it's more about what do we think of ohio state's defense in terms of is Ohio State still going to have to be throwing the ball midway through the third quarter because that's the thing with the that's the thing with the utah game was I mean, they were losing, so they had to keep throwing the ball and they couldn't run the ball. That Even with the Oregon game and the Michigan game, they had to keep throwing it because they couldn't run it. So that's part of it. Is Ohio State's defense better? But then also, can they run the ball? Because if both of those answers are no, then that ups the chances Jackson Smith the Jigba has 150 every single game because you got to keep throwing it. it Jim Knowles definitely- might be a con. The arrival of Jim Knowles to yeah. fix the defense might hurt this pursuit. Yeah, and just the natural progression of the defense. I, I just want to – I guess the point I was making that – is it it's a con that they drew Wisconsin and Iowa this year from the West as opposed to Illinois and Purdue? Unless it's a pro because Illinois and Wisconsin can hang with them, but I don't know that even if those teams are good defensively, I don't know that they can stop Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying it's just how you view the lens of it. Do you want to yeah, play better yeah. teams or do you want to play worse teams? So they're playing better teams with better defenses but what does that mean? I think both of those teams, though, just traditionally are more likely to have one defensive back who you could put on Jackson Smith and Jigba. And they also might run the ball and try to control the clock and keep Correct. the Ohio State mm-hmm. offense off Correct. the field. So, Correct. all right, let's talk about pros. Steven, what is your first pro? Why Jackson Smith and Jigba could have 2061 receiving yards this year? Because he's CJ Stroud's favorite target. This, I swear to God, you ever since you started talking about that, that is my number one thing. The quarterback <laughs> loves him. Yeah. He said it himself. I try to be the quarterback's best friend. And he's got two good two games on his resume already where he proved that he can be the quarterback's best friend. But I'll take that a step further. It's yes, the CJ Stroud thing, but it's he's done this before. And I understand like college is a different level of competition, but he played in the highest level, highest division in Texas football, which is like the closest thing in the college football you can get to. These are his numbers from his senior year of high school. And it's why he ended up being a five-star when he actually committed as like a kid in the 200s. He had 108 catches. He had 2,161 yards. So we're he asking ended, him to get 100, 100 fewer. 100 yes. fewer. That's what and we're here's asking. the deal. He ended his career, his high school career at Rockwall, Texas, second all-time in receiving yards with 5,403 yards. Jordan Shipley is the only guy ahead of him, and he had 5,424 yards. So he is it's, – it's why when we first – when they first had the signing day and they brought in Brian Hartline to talk about all these receivers, Brian Hartline was saying, yeah, Jackson's going to have to get used to – like, he's not going to get the ball 10 times a game here like he did in high school. Well, Brian Hartline, you were wrong. Oh, he's going to do that multiple times. But it's like that's – that was the thing with Jackson is – 
unlike the other three, he was going to have to get used to not getting 15 targets tonight because if you give him 15 targets, this is what he can do. Come to find out, he's going to get 15 targets, and he's going to do the exact same thing he did, he did his last two years of high school. So that's actually two things. So C.J. Stroud loves him, and he mm-hmm. has a history of being a high-volume, high-production receiver. I think are two separate, very big pros. I'll throw in another pro. He's staying in the slot for the most part. We know they're going to move him around, but the slot in this offense is designed to be a high-volume position. And as that slot receiver, he is going to have more moments where he catches eight-yard routes and runs 60 yards after the fact. That he is a yards-after-the-catch slot receiver contributes to how can you get big yards quickly because you don't, he don't doesn't have to hit a 60 yard bomb where the ball flies 50 yards in the air. He could have a 60 yard reception, Nathan, where the ball went 10 yards in the air. He's very capable of that. And that is a nice way to turn what would have been a 110 yard receiving day into 170 receiving yard day. Cause that little throw on second and six, you caught turned, made a guy miss and then took off and turned it into a 73-yard touchdown that nobody was expecting. That would be my third pro. Do you agree with that, Nathan? Yes, and I think almost more to the point, and it's, it's a different thing than what the same that you're saying, but a game that's supposed to have only been like four for 60, four catches for 60 yards, becomes four for 120 yards, because on the last one, the guy blew a tackle and off to the races. So the games that he's supposed to get held down, maybe that blowout, you know, the last possession they had before halftime, he, he can he can take off and and similarly you know just because he's so used to piling up catches and because they'll use him you know horizontally and stuff you know maybe his his game three doesn't have a blowout could still be um or breakaway i should say should still could still be like 12 catches for 90 yards or something like that you're still progressing along those lines even if you're not getting all the way to that number you're still keeping the baseline pretty high so that's another one. Nathan, do you have another one? Is there something else, like a different, a different kind of topic? I think we have three big ones so far. He, the quarterback loves him. He has a history of being this kind of receiver, and he's in a position in the slot and the offense that lends itself to this. What, what else? Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and Julian Fleming could all be really, really, really good too. And it's it could possible. force the hands of defenses to not focus on JSN the way they want to. So all this stuff is just how you, which side of it you look at it. I think it's quite possible that they are the exact amount right of good. Mm-hmm. That they are good enough to take some pressure off him, but not so good to demand equal targets. That it, they help prevent some triple coverage, but it's also like, well, but I'm still going to feed Jackson because he's the best guy, right? I, I could see them threading the needle on that in a way that facilitates this, Nathan. I think that really – that because we, what we were saying before is Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were good. They're almost too good because he wasn't going nuts early on. So they're not going to be Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, but they're, get, no, they're not going to be nothings either. They're going to be really productive guys you have to account for. Also, you guys can maybe judge whether this should be – just an extension of Steven's point, the, the, his first pro, or if it's a separate one. Because if we were sitting here saying, uh, why could he do this? Well, because he's Chris Chuganov's favorite receiver. We, it's different than if you say, because he's CJ Stroud's favorite receiver. And I no, think one of the pros separate. is separate. one of the pros is the advancement of CJ Stroud into yet another year and how much better he could be this year. And over the course of a year, is it, 10 passes that he wouldn't have caught last year that are going to be better throws in better situations and better reads by CJ Stroud. Um, I think that's got to be one of the pros as well. Yeah. Yeah, He has an awesome quarterback. Yeah. And it's almost like it would almost be to CJ's detriment. If he only got, he got the ball to was Jackson Smith, the Jigba, because what they're going to do the Justin Fields thing where it's like, you're a one read quarterback. And so Jackson made you look good, but if he's spreading the ball around all four of these guys and they can't really use that to, a disadvantage for CJ. And as a guy who his best asset is his mind and his ability to see the field, what better way to do that than have four guys who are impact players instead of just one. But, but the other thing, but I mean, if he spreads it around too much, then it hurts Jackson. So it's like, I do think uh, some of the stuff we saw again, everybody knows Matthew Stafford wants to coop wants to throw it to Cooper cup. And like, it didn't matter. He still found a way to throw it to Cooper cup. 
because Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup would just like make up plays themselves and do stuff. I think CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigwood could do that. I think these are two third year guys with really high football IQs and a great relationship. And I think they're Stephen, as you said, this is going back to it. It's like their football IQs are they're simpatico. They think the same way, right? So I think mm-hmm. I think the fact that the receivers are good but not too good. The fact that CJ is an excellent quarterback that he has a relationship with, with Jackson, I think is huge. And then I also think Ryan day factors into this because as much as Ryan day says, they want to run the ball. They do want to run the ball and they want to have a power run game with the pass game. Come on, man. He's a quarterback. He wants to throw it. Right. I mean, like in the end, he's not Mike Leach, Nathan, but like, Ryan Day likes to design. He's got two dudes that he really is going to have some next level opportunities with this passing game. And that's not such a bad thing for JSN either. Well, I believe that Ryan Day wants to establish the run. And it's not because he loves three yards in a cloud of dust. He wants to establish the run so he can let it go with his quarterback. That he wants to make defenses soft and pull them in so that he can throw over the top of them with these great quarterbacks he keeps bringing in. Uh, is there anybody question that, that that's his motivation for saying that he wants to be able to run the ball well? So I, you can throw Trevon Henderson in here potentially as both either a pro or a con as to why Jackson Smith and Jigma might be able to do this this year. Because he'll take away some yards, but he's also going to make some safeties pull in a couple times and Jackson Smith and Jigma is just running by him. Does it feel like Ryan Day can really let his hair loose with C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith the Jigman in a way that he's really never gotten the chance to do with any of the other quarterbacks? Whether it's because Dwayne was already pretty much what he was by the time he was a starter, and then like when he wanted to do it with Justin, COVID kind of got in the way, so you had to keep things simple and just throw the ball to Garrett and Chris. It feels like we haven't really seen creative Ryan Day and Brian Hartline and Kevin Wilson, what that looks like in a passing game. And because we're getting a second year quarterback, a second year wide receiver, both of which have already proven that they might be the best player in the country at their position. We might get that this year. I mean, he said that, right? I mean, he's even though he did have Justin as a second year starter, Justin only got here in January and then ended up starting that first year right away. It's not the same Mm -hmm. the way that he has been able to develop C.J. Stroud from the get-go. And I think he absolutely is looking forward to that. And the results, Stephen, as you said, might be things we haven't really seen before. And again, that C.J. is so smart. I think I, there's a lot of opportunity here. Let's take a break. We'll come back with the texters said about this. Is he going to do it next in Buckeye Talk? Doug, Nathan, and Stephen, I've been wanting to talk about this for three days. I'm at 11%. Nine! Why does it jump two every time I'm down to 9%? You guys are going to have to finish. Go on without me. Leave me behind. Finish the podcast. Seriously, my computer is really – I still have to change to my new computer. They sent me a new computer, and it's still in the box. So I think my battery is not very good. I want to get in the text results of this poll, and then you guys can finish up if you need to. Jackson Smith and Jigba averaged 123.5 receiving yards per game last season, which ranked second in the country. How many yards per game do you think he'll average this season? The choices were under 100, 100 to 120, 121 to 140, or 141 or more. I will tell you that 121 to 141, that's pretty good. That's pretty optimistic. That was uh, more than 50% of the voters said 121 to 140. And then another 10% said 141 or more. So combined that 61% thinks he'll average 121 yards per game or more, which gets him in range of this stuff. 35% said 100 to 120. Only 3% said under 100. If Ohio State makes the national title game in the Big Ten title game, he needs 133.3 yards per game to get to 2,000. He needs 142.9 yards per game if they play 14 games. Do you think he'll reach 2,000 receiving yards? And then I asked separately, do you think he'll break the record and get over 2,060? 65% said no on 2,000. 71% said no on breaking the record. Nathan, what do you think of that? Is that people just being realistic? 65% no on 2000 for JSN boy it's really it, it's just so tough to assume 15 games even for this team even though we think they're going to be really strong that and, and the difference between 15 and 14 does make it a decent chunk easier 
if you if you're only playing 14 as opposed to 15. So I think it's fair to have that skepticism built in just from just from a pure math standpoint. Would you would you vote yes or no for this, Steven? For two thousand yards, would you vote yes or no? No. You guys, I'm voting yes, man. I am. I am actually, and I think he's going to break the record. This is going to be my thing this year. I'm not saying I'm not trying to steal Jackson Smith and Jigba from anybody. It's just like I didn't know it. Um, I didn't know that the record was only 2060, and I didn't know that like a great season might mean an unprecedented season. Um, so I'm in on this. We can talk about it more. And then this does factor into a Heisman conversation. What kind of Heisman trophy chance do you think he has? Very good. Some small and no chance, very good chance. 19%. I think if he is in this range, I think he has a very good chance actually, because he has bigger numbers than Devonte Smith. He won't be at 2000 by the time of the ceremony or anything, but he can't just have a good season. He's got to have the best season any receivers ever had. And then we have a CJ versus Jackson discussion. But if Jackson's just very good, then CJ is going to be the Heisman guy. If Jackson's unprecedented, I do think it has a chance to be Jackson. Do you know what I'm saying, Nathan? I do. I also think that there's an op. There's a CJ Stroud might be, I don't want to use the term boring, but he might just be a very steadily good distributor of the ball, putting up impressive numbers, making great throws, all the things we talked about last year that maybe get a little bit hidden. You know what I'm saying? That like a a coach who's watching film sees it. I don't know if the average Heisman voter sees it. And Jackson Smith and Jigba might have more of those viral moments, those, those, those clips, those sorts of things, those flashy things that absolutely can sometimes be a factor when you're voting for the Heisman. That point would be valid if people didn't already know who CJ Stroud was. Because that was the thing with Mac Jones. He was a first-year starting quarterback. Mm. So, of course, you give it to Devontae Smith, who, yeah, he went crazy, but we kind of knew who he was from the year before when they were talking about Bama having four first-round wide receivers on it in their room at the time. CJ is a known uh, – um, not at me at this point. Everybody knows who he is. It's him and Bryce Young. And I think Brian Day is already campaigning for him. I mean, he's – I mean, the pro day, it kind of starts there. That's, that, that's where Heisman Trophy, you know <laughs> – I'm sorry, guy. Like Doug just like dropped out yeah, of the call mid, and it was. I tried to play it off, but you can't play that off. Just, he's gone because he just got yeah. Thanos snapped out of the pod. Yeah, like he's been talking about his computer dying, so we have to acknowledge it. I think his Heisman campaign started at the moment he threw that t- touchdown pass to Jackson Smith the Jigba, and Ryan Day only helped it by letting him throw a pro day where he kind of impressed and looked like he was the, you know. He was the, the the cute girl at the mall every guy was trying to get with. And now he's going to have the Notre Dame game to kind of make that first statement. I don't Jackson, I don't care what Jackson Smith the Jigba does this year. He has to catch up to what to the hype train that CJ Stroud already has. We're the only guy who equals it plays in Tuscaloosa. It, it's still a quarterback award at the end of the day. It, it's why I couldn't ever mm-hmm. say very good chance. Because I there's a part of me that's like, um it would maybe have to be breaking the record. But but I mean, Devonta Smith didn't break the record and still won the Heisman Trophy. It's the circumstances just have to line up. And sometimes those circumstances are so fickle and we don't know them until they happen. You know, 20, uh, 2020, Trevor Lawrence has a couple rough games early in the year and pretty much is already out of the Heisman Trophy voting, even though he comes back and takes his team to the national championship game, et cetera, et cetera. Like it, some mm-hmm. of this is very fickle. And I do think, though, that you're right about C.J. Stroud being now already on people's radar, higher on people's radar right now than Jackson Smith the Jigba is. But I do think it's important that Jackson Smith the Jigba probably is somewhere in people's minds right now in a decent chunk of the voters. I think people are like keeping an eye out like, wait, he had how many yards in the Rose Bowl? Like 300 and what? Okay, that's a guy I need to keep an eye on. It's like he made the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. had three touchdown catches in a game irrelevant, which is impressive in its own right. But is that going to still be impressive if it happens again? Let's just say, for example, Jackson has 250 and 12 catches against Notre Dame, which sounds crazy coming out of my mouth, but he's done it already. Yeah, I'll take the under on that, but go ahead. Right. I know. Yeah, I know you'll take the under until he goes out there and actually does it. But if Marvin Harrison 
if CJ throws five touchdown passes and Marvin Harrison has three of them and the other one goes to Julian Fleming, are we really going to be that focused on the fact that Jackson Smith, the Jigba had all those yards? If those other guys are still doing so that it goes back to the point of how, how good do the receivers have to be so the Ohio State's passing game can still be elite, but not good enough that it takes away from Jackson Smith and Jigba's case. Well, and again, that's, but this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a, a accumulation and it's not about, yes, he's going to have some flare ups over the course of the year. And he's also mm-hmm. going to have a game here or there. I mean, what Chris Olave last year had a two game stretch where he had what? No catches. And then like, one catch or two catches like it would the, yeah. right like those back-to-back games this is a you know a guy who's gonna be a first-round NFL draft pick and yes he was in a, a three receiver offense plus all the weapons that they have so it shouldn't be really that much of a shock that even someone as good as Chris Olave had a little stretch where he wasn't getting targeted that much but it's a reminder that at some point this year Jackson Smith the Jigba is going to have a game where he gets 30 or 40 yards and it's not going to be a catastrophe. And it's not going to be because somebody did something wrong. It might be because the other team did something really great to try to take him away at the cost mm-hmm. of something else, possibly. You know, um, I, I'm blanking on the, the the full non-conference schedule right now. But, you know, the whenever they, they play uh, at Maryland this coming yeah. year, and maybe Maryland has, you know, one really good DB. And he's, you know, hey, my whole season is – is making sure that Jackson Smith and Jigba doesn't get 180 <laughs> yards today. And Jackson Smith and Jigba settles for 70 yards that day. Uh, but Ohio State's up 35 to nothing or 35 to 10 at halftime. And he's not a factor in the second half. Like those, those things are going to happen. I think it's more about just the, whether you think that the abundance of targets are going to average out over the course of year, like you're going to have to be talking about, as Doug said, what 141. So if he gets 141 yards a game over 14 games, that's shy. Of, it's still 1,974 yards. Just think about that a little bit. Like averaging 141 yards a game still doesn't get you to this record. Unless now you would if you got to the championship game. But that's only for 14 games. So his case is going to be about the numbers, um, which is, I mean, he's a wide receiver who's just all about the numbers. So I get that. Then it becomes a how many Heisman Trophy co- candidates does Ohio State truly have? Because in 2019, that's what J.K. Dobbins' case was. It was all about the numbers and the fact that he finished the year with 2,000 rushing yards and no Ohio State running back had ever done that before. But we, I think we actually did a video of who's Ohio State's best Heisman Trophy candidate between Chase Young, J.K. Dobbins, and Justin Fields. Justin Fields just was, he's the starting quarterback, and none of this matters if he's not the starting quarterback. Chase Young's is, he's the best player in college football, while J.K. Dobbins is, is look at his numbers. It feels like Jackson Smith Najigba is J.K. Dobbins. C.J. Stroud is obviously Justin Fields. And Travion Henderson might be Chase Young. Because if Travion takes that next step, and he's clearly the best running back in the country next year, regardless of what his numbers are, I mean, that's he might have a case that's just as undeniable. And in that situation, Jackson might get the short end of the stick because his his case is all numbers and not necessarily impact because there are other wide receivers who are having pretty quality years as well. I'm looking up right now. So 2000 yards over 13 games would be 154 yards a game, basically. See, that's the thing you, what you have to remember is JK Dobbins rushed for over 2000 yards in 2019, which is still not a common feat in major college football, power five college football. Now that did include the playoff game. So he didn't have 2000 yards at the time of the Heisman trophy voting, but he still finished Correct. sixth in the Heisman trophy voting. And some of that was the other guys on his team that were candidates, but some of that was, uh, you know, just, you also had Joe Burrow. You also had like several other guys who were having flashy mm-hmm. big time seasons. So th- that's the other thing I would remind people of here is, um, we don't know the, the chances are right now, as we're standing here, Ohio state has everything lines up for them to have three great candidates for the Heisman trophy this year. The more realistic idea is that they have two that will actually be really good Heisman trophy candidates. And the third one is going to get a little bit left behind for reasons that probably have nothing to do with his performance. That's almost a question in itself. Who has a better chance of getting two guys in New York, to New York, Alabama or Ohio state? Well, it might, and he, it could be, it could be a, uh, 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 it could be a double, like they could do a d- doubles tennis match. It could be two on yeah. two. Just at, move uh, it to LA. Just like push it back to the national championship game and just do it out in LA and so far the night before. Getting a little ahead of ourselves there. Um, yeah. 
because <laughs> again, there's so much unknown. Like we, it, it's. I, I do think that to go back to what we were talking about earlier, like why why is Jackson Smith and Jigba? It just doesn't. It feels like his whole career has been building to what this season might be like, where he is just targeted a massive amount. I guess I could be I could listen to the argument that that was actually more like what happened last year, though, and that this year it's going to be just but more difficult. But I do think that the idea that he's in the slot is a little bit of a factor here because how many other teams that Ohio State plays against will take their best DB and put him against him in the slot? That's fair. And then there's going to be plenty of times where it's going to be second down and like four where you're probably not – he's just going to have a safety over him because he's in the slot. Or a linebacker is just going to randomly get – it's going to be a mismatch because that can happen sometimes when you game plan the right way and send the guy in motion. He's in the perfect position to – yeah, there's going to be moments where – like Utah did where they had Clark Phillips on him and they just kind of moved Clark everywhere because he was their only real cornerback. But there's going to be plenty of chances where he's going to have a mismatch on him and they're just going to exploit him. They might just – like CJ might look out there and see – Safety on a, on Jackson, linebacker on Jackson, scrap whatever we're supposed to run. I'm throwing him the ball. And that's to the point of the whole Cooper Cup, uh, Matthew Stafford thing and give putting more on CJ's plate. I think that's where Jackson has the chance to be most explosive is when CJ just looks out there, sees who's on the field, does a, does a numbers game and goes, I don't care what Ryan Day just called. This is what we're doing. And then it's going to be a four yard completion for a 40 yard game because nobody knew what they were doing except for Jackson or CJ. And that's where I was kind of saying before about the highlight reel aspect of it, that there's going to be times where like CJ Stroud is like the uber efficient football Mm -hmm. robot throwing to the skilled football human. I don't mean to dehumanize (laughs) CJ Stroud. I'm trying to compliment him just because just from like the way his brain processes this sport and that it's going to be, you know, Jackson, but takes the little pass twists one guy around and now he's off to the races that looks that pops to, I think a lot of voters differently than CJ Stroud making a read that they don't even see from the way that the, yeah. the shot is set up. So I think that's a little bit of a factor. And I also think that's still going to be, I was the one arguing last year, we were about halfway through the year. CJ Stroud had just come off the injury was still like trying to pick up some momentum. We had a conversation like who was going to be the better Heisman trophy candidate between the two between Stroud and Trevon Henderson. And I was the one who was still mm-hmm. arguing like, Hey, let's not forget that like that Trevon Henderson, when he has his breakaway moments, it, it looks different. It looks, it, it's just, it, it resonates with voters. And you see a running back, get out there. I was just watching clips the other day of, and actually Bo Jackson had retweeted it, which is why I saw it. But somebody said something about like, somebody put out a tweet. It was like Bo Jackson's uh, senior year, whatever year, um, highlight reel is just insane or something like that. And he retweeted and said, you bet it is or something like that. And it is like, it's just, he's doing things that human beings aren't supposed to do. And I'm not saying that Trevor Henderson is Bo Jackson. In fact, I'm, I'll go ahead and say he's not, but very tight. You get out in the open field and you get to impress voters in a different way than when you're just making reads in a pocket. I'm not trying to diminish CJ Stroud's skills. I am maybe diminishing the advertising. You're calling you're calling Heisman Trophy voters dumb. Uh, it's okay. It's not dumb because I because there's a value to it. There's also if you're trying to say who was the best football player I saw, then your eyes, what your eyes told you, it can be deceiving. But it, I think that that is a factor. Like that's definitely if, if you yeah. ask me, you ask me who are the best football players I've seen in the Big Ten. Like uh, Saquon Barkley's name would be very high on that list. Like and there's I've, there's probably been a bunch of running backs since the time I started paying attention professionally to college football who like Jackie Dobbins was probably had more yards than Sa- Saquon Barkley in his best year. I don't know, but like Saquon Barkley just did things. And like, I think there's, yeah. that's the point I was making before that as a voter, you might look at it and say like, man, this Stroud guy can just really super efficient way. He leads this offense and it's so impressive, but Jackson Smith, the Jigba just does things and, or Trevor Henderson just does things. There is an element to CJ's game that, football heads you're going to fall in love with but like it's probably not going to make sports centers top 10 you know it's almost like you appreciate it after the fact when you go and rewatch games and then you get a chance to ask him about hey man what were you thinking there hey what was happening there and then you throw up a clip on twitter of like man this was actually a really special throw but in the moment it's like oh my god look at what jackson did oh look at what garrett did but it's like no this is actually cj 
doing this. And I think the Michigan State game was a prime example of that. It's like Jackson, Garrett, and Chris are like the explosive dudes. But when you actually sit down and rewatch that game, it's like, no, CJ's moving safeties left to right. He's making checks at the line and really seeing the field in a different way. But how many people, especially voters, when you're just trying to figure out a list at the end of the year, are going to sit down and actually appreciate that versus Jackson Smith, the Jigwood well, just called a two yard bubble screen and stiff arm somebody and then juke somebody else off. And now he's off to the races. And, and I want to I also want to make sure I don't know that I'm quite saying that because I, I think there are plenty of people out there listening to this podcast who can evaluate college football that way. They evaluate it as well or better than we do, uh, certainly on, on any given day. But I think it's more about the viral nature of it, like a read doesn't go viral, mm. but like a, a breakaway play or a breakaway yeah. run, or you're, 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 you're shrugging off three tackles and you run, or, you know, Jackson's did the Jigba run or doing the toe tap. Like those things go viral. Like the, the looking off a of safety doesn't quite go viral, even though people sometimes tweet those things out. Like, Hey, look at how smart this was. It's not quite, I don't think it just gets out there quite the same way. And that's more what I'm saying that like the moments, the like impressive moments sometimes just get pushed Again, no fault of anybody's. They just get pushed out there in a, in a different way. Um, anything else you want to delve into on this topic? Doug, I, it's, it's too bad he didn't get here to finish off this conversation. He wanted us to make sure that we gave uh, Corey Dennis full credit for how good Jackson Smith the Jigba is going to be this year. Um, yeah. He wanted to uh, finally – it's an overdue apology to Bill Davis. Bill uh, mm-hmm. Doug was just way too hard on him over the years. I think he actually was leaving. He was going to pick up a square cut pizza on the way home. He's come 180 degrees on that. Uh, anything, anything else we need to. He didn't say anything about Parker Fleming yet. So he's obviously not there yet, but I don't think either of us are there either. So, it's well, okay that doesn't, yeah. I mean, Jack, him. although if Jackson Smith, the Jigba gets some, that's, that's actually, if we're talking about, the Heisman, talking about the Heisman. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's another chance to have some of those, those viral moments. So, I, maybe, maybe that's what Doug is saying. That like, if he doesn't win the Heisman Trophy this year, it's Parker Fleming's fault. Honestly, that's what the, that's his motivation for winning the Heisman is so that Doug has to go on an apology tour for all the assistant coaches who probably shouldn't be here. Let's just do the Doug apology tour right now. Let's just apologize. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not here. We'll just it, we're his proxy here. Here, we'll just what what did he text me? He texted me. List. Yeah, uh, you know, Bill Davis is awesome. Uh, square cut pizza. Corey Dennis. Basically, um, everything everything Doug has ever railed against robots he loves robots oh no oh yeah oh robots he was he had a robot in the back seat you guys couldn't see it um yeah. but a robot there in the back he's seat. actually he actually has a, a um autonomous car it drives itself so he's gone full robot <laughs> doug might be like the person who like would maybe most need a driverless car but would be the last person to trust one doug tried to kill me once yeah, we know. He tried to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. As long as people know that, wouldn't it be worth it to go to get a last meal at Culver's though? No. Like, if you had no, to die in a fiery crash on an Indiana highway, the fact that you got Culver's that, that takes some of the sting off, right? I think if I die in a fiery crash on an Indiana highway, my life has gone completely downhill because that's like the last highway I would want to die on. Indiana, and that's all due respect to Indiana, but. No, I've spent a lot of time in Indiana over the last couple of years here. It's that's well, that's I'm what I'm saying. Of, like, I'm kind of sick of that place. It's it's like the crossroads of the Big Ten and we drive through it all yeah. the time. I would say that your chances of dying in a fiery crash on an Indiana highway are second really only to Ohio. There's a Fairfield downtown Indianapolis. I think I should just like write my name on one of the hotel rooms because they've gotten really accustomed to me. I grew up right on the Indiana border. And it was hilarious to me, even when I was a kid before I could actually drive, that people on my side of the border, the Illinois side of the border, would always be like, oh, those those crazy Indiana drivers. I'm like, they're, they, they, they grew up five minutes away from here. Like, what are you talking about? Like, they're not, you're the same person. You're this. You drive the same pickup truck. You have the same job. You go to the same gas stations and, and, and Kmart. Like, it's, you're the same person. Like, how much worse of a driver do you really think that they are? There's nothing like an imaginary line that separates us when we're all the same people. Does Ohio have a thing like that? Is there like an like does um, Ohio people think that Michigan or Kentucky or West Virginia or Pennsylvania drivers are crazy? I mean, yes, but we also don't associate Cincinnati with being from Ohio. A lot of the times, we try to push them into Kentucky. Our I, lines are a little more. It's like it's it, it. There is very much a Columbus versus Cincinnati versus Cleveland thing that has grown over the years here. 
I think I, I've had some friends that live in have lived in Cincinnati who think that there are people in Cincinnati who associate more with Kentucky than yeah. Ohio. You've got Covington right there across the river, though. It all it's all kind of blends together a little bit. We're straying from the point. That's probably a good place to shut it down. <laughs> but Jackson with the Jigbo is poised for a huge season. And we, like I said, we tried to kind of lay out the, the math of what that's going to have to look like. But I, I think I don't know. I don't think I would. I don't think I would bet on it happening. But unlike last season, when I was surprised at the numbers of what they turned out to be, it's not going to shock me if he gets to 2,000 receiving yards this year. I think it's very much on on if 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 J.K. Dobbins could do it as a running back, why can't Jackson Smith and Jigba do it as a receiver? Because J.K. was the only running back getting the ball, and I'm not 100% sure. It's almost like what's more likely Jackson gets – 2,000 yards or one of those other three gets 1,000 yards. And I think the safer bet is saying one of those other three gets 1,000 yards. Well, Dobbins was always getting was getting the ball more. He was also getting it a few yards behind the line of scrimmage every time he touched it, as opposed to Jackson to the Jigba, who's going to be getting it true. behind the it's line true. of scrimmage most of the time or at the line of scrimmage on those those bubble screens and stuff. I don't know. I think it's that's probably not a completely fair comp, but just something to keep in mind that this offense – in recent vintage has had huge statistical seasons from its skill players. And man, I'm starting to maybe talk myself into it. Maybe I'll, you know, Doug's already fully out there and the math does sort of start to add up a little bit. We'll see how it actually plays out this fall for Stephen means. And for the dearly <laughs> departed Doug Lamarice, I'm Nathan Baird. And that was Buckeye talk. Buckeye talk.